I guess it was October, Alan, when we were sitting across just doing coffee, doing life. I got a chance to meet Crystal, your wife. That was real fun. My wife's name is Crystal also. My children, Ezra, Penelope, Madeline too. It's crazy. No, I'm kidding. No, but I have four children. I'm going to introduce you to them in a second. But I was sitting across from Alan doing coffee. He was sharing his burden uh, with me for the city of San Antonio in this outer west area, uh, talking to me about discipleship. And we got to catch up on some of the, the areas in our past that we, we actually shared in common, uh, colleges and different things that we had interactions with. And so, man, I left that day with a friend, and I'm grateful for you, sir. But uh, yeah, uh, it was about two years ago, two and a half years ago when my lead pastor, John Van Pay, Gateway Fellowship Church, uh, invited me to consider planting a campus in the far west. And so we began to pray about that. My wife and I did with a little bit more. We just had a little bit of faith. I mean, it just takes a little bit of faith sometimes. And we said, you know, I, I don't know if we're, people, we're gonna do what we can. We're gonna say, Lord, what would you do with our try? How many of you have done that before? Lord, we're just gonna try. We're gonna step out, we're gonna try. And so we did. A couple of years ago, we've been on a journey. Uh, we started out of Harlan High School and then we moved to uh, Casablanca Movie Theater. We were there for a good year at, at, at Casablanca. And then we just knew the time was right for us to transition. And uh, so as we began to think about transitioning, we were like, okay, where next? Where next? And so I began to look at a number of different places that we could potentially meet. And man, we were just a dead end everywhere. And so it became desperate, point of desperation, you know, began to drive us to our knees a little bit. We began to pray a little bit harder. And all of a sudden I began to have that thought, what if, uh, what if I called up uh, Pastor Allen here and I had a conversation with Pastor Allen? I was like, baby, is that weird? Is that weird for us to consider maybe meeting at another church, a church meeting within a church on a different night of the week? Is that weird? Should I even ask him? And she was like, yeah, it's weird. It's absolutely weird, but ask him. And so I was like, okay. So we went ahead, I, sh I shot an email to the team and I said, hey guys, uh, we're, we're in a situation, we're a little bit of spot here. Would you consider opening up your doors on a different night of the week just so that we can come in as a church family and worship together, celebrate together? And I am, man, your guys are just top notch, your pastors, your team, board, whatever. We're just so amazing and so accommodating and so hospitable. And so would you celebrate your pastor with me one more time for being so open-handed? Um, I'm grateful for you, thank you. Uh, I, heard, uh, I heard through the grapevine that you're a Steph Curry fan. And uh, so I, I got you a gift. I was actually uh, rifling through the trash the other day and I found this, somebody, somebody left, left this for you, maybe, I possibly, I don't know, but hey, check that out. It's the real deal, Steph Curry. Um, I'm a Luca fan myself. Any Luca fans in the house? Nope, we're in San Antonio country. All right, I got Spurs country. I'm not gonna win any friends talking about Luca and the Dallas Mavs, but uh, it's gonna be a great, a great basketball season. We're looking forward to it. It's gonna be wonderful. But I wanna introduce my family to you a little bit. Um, you know, my, I wouldn't be anywhere without my wife. My wife keeps me grounded. Keeps me, she's the creative in the family. So um, thanks to her, you know, I'm not working all the time. She's gifted and talented. And uh, man, I'm just blessed to be able to, to go home to her every day and do life with her. Uh, I'm so grateful for her. Uh, she's the love of my life. And then I've got my four children that are uh, Nathaniel, uh, Caleb, he's throwing up the peace sign. And Olivia is hugging him. And uh, Julia, my youngest, guys, I'm 48 years old. I'm gonna still make my way to that game night, guys. Uh, I think I could pass. But 40, I've got a two-year-old, guys. Can you believe that? I need your prayers. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. But I learned so much about God through the eyes of my children. 
How many parents can attest to that? You learn a lot about, learn a lot about the Lord through your children. Uh, it was just the other day, my wife and my youngest daughter, Julia, were sitting on the couch side by side. And Julia um, was really wanting to get my wife's attention. And so, when Christy at the time was looking at a video chat with a missionary friend of ours in Tajikistan. She does missionary work in some of the poorest areas uh, of the world, area that doesn't know the gospel, doesn't have a church, doesn't have Bible, doesn't have scripture. And it's, it's like a zero zone. It's, it's no gospel, no access at all. And so they're there doing work. And so our only way of catching up with each other is to get these video chats. So my wife was just catching up on her life and what was going on. But all at once, Julia just decided to play this game where she would grab her face and turn it, grab her head and turn it into where they were nose to nose and they were eye to eye. And Julia would just, she just uh, bump noses with her and just laugh and smile. Just the, the, the funniest thing, it's the funniest thing. So Christy would laugh, enjoy the moment. She would turn back to her video chat and then Julia would repeat. Did guys three or four times. She would not be she would not be persuaded otherwise. But she loved it. She just loved this moment, and it, and it occurred to me that my daughter, in her own little two year old way, she understood something that's taken me so long to understand, and that is this: is that attention is the beginning of our devotion. Attention, getting our attention, is the beginning of getting our devotion. It's getting harder to get our attention these days, isn't it? And therefore, it's harder for us to find people that are truly devoted devoted to the Lord. For example, I don't know how they figured this out, guys. I don't know how they figured it out. I don't know how they got it all, got this statistic down, but they're telling us, they're telling us right now that this goldfish in this bowl, we named it Dorothy, by the way. Any Elmo fans out there? Elmo had a pet goldfish. Yeah, the nine o'clock service is a lot rowdier than this. this. So Elmo, they knew about Elmo and they knew that Elmo named uh, his goldfish Dorothy. And so um, Dorothy, Statistics are telling us that you have a greater attention span than we do. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Well, today, attention is the beginning of getting our devotion. I'm convinced that yes, Christ will find a busy church when he returns, but my concern is will he find a devoted church? A church that is truly devoted to him and his kingdom purposes. And so, hey, the key to securing our devotion today is what I'm gonna advocate. The key to securing lies in the promises of God, specifically the promise of rest, the promise of rest. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11. How many of you got your Bibles? Wave them up high in the air. Those Bible apps don't count. I'm just kidding. You got your phone, you wanna wave it, I don't care, you go for it. Um, But Matthew chapter 11, I'm turning there and I'm gonna give you some time to get there. Matthew chapter 11, I want to remind you at the outset that the promises of God, they all share something in common. They all find their fulfillment in the person of Jesus Christ. They all find their completion in the work of Jesus Christ. Consider the promise of healing. By his stripes you are healed, not only physically. We believe in the physical healing of people, but we also believe in the spiritual healing. What he did for us in diminishing the work of darkness and disarming the principalities and the powers was for you and it was for me. And so we should not diminish that promise. It's found in Jesus Christ, the promise of guidance, right? The promise of guidance. Jesus is what? The way, the truth, and the life. Do you guys know your Bible? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The promise of provision is over your life. The promise of provision, he provided everything that you need for life and for godliness. We believe that God's word is true. So his promises, some 5,600 or 5,467, I had to Google it, promises in scripture. And out of all of them, I'm here to talk to you about one, the promise of rest, the promise of rest. Um, 
But it's not just a promise. It is also, it, it, it's a command. And it's right up there in scripture with thou shalt not like commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not murder, right? And then you've got like, oh, and keep the Sabbath rest. Keep it holy as unto the Lord. And so not only is it a promise, but it's, it's a command. And so let that serve as a foundation, but the Sabbath rest is for you. Hebrews chapter four makes it clear. It reminds all of us that the Sabbath rest is for the people of God. It's for the people of God. And so this has always been challenging for me. Let me just say it right now. I'm not teaching this today because I've got this one figured out. I'm teaching it today because I'm working to get it into my spirit. Because the challenging thing about rest is that we're, it's not something I have to create. It's not something I have to perform in order to get. It's something I'm called to enter into. It's something I'm called to protect. It's something that, that I'm called to understand and align myself with. And so we're gonna learn a little bit more about that today, but specifically the why behind rest. But let's start with a good understanding of what the word has to say about this in Matthew chapter 11. We're gonna read in verses 25 through 30. I hope you'll follow along with me on the screens. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and the learned and you revealed them to little children. Yes, Father. So everyone say Father with me. That's right, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my, there it is again, Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal to him. Come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I love that. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle, I'm humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is God's word. We believe that when we read it, when we read the pages of God's word, that it, it opens itself to us. In fact, it's the only book I know personally that actually reads me. So I hope you'll get your face in God's word. I hope you make a practice of doing that, but we're gonna do our best to apply ourselves to God's word today. What is God's word teaching us here? You will find rest for your souls. The reality is that God has ordained rest. He's ordained rest for the people of God, for you and for me. It's one of his promises. And so it's important for us to recognize that this promise of rest, it came in a season of great unrest. In fact, the historian Josephus, when you study and you uncover the pages of scripture, really get to the, to the bottom of it, that Josephus referred to this period of time as a period of 10,000 disorders. 10,000 disorders. At the beginning of this chapter, John the Baptist is still reaching out through his followers to say, hey, is this the Messiah? Are you the Messiah that was to come? I mean, I believe you are, but man, we've been waiting for so long for saving, for savior, for salvation. I'm really hopeful that you are the one because, hey, we live in a world of 10,000 disorders. How many of you, you came in this morning and it feels like 10,000 disorders? Just me, okay. 10,000 disorders. Unrest. So this is the crowd he's talking to. Today I wanna to make three observations from this passage of scripture, just three. Today we're gonna to talk about why we rest. We rest to reflect, we rest to release, and we rest to renew. But first let's look at this promise, this rest to reflect. Scripture leads us, it says, at that time Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things 
revealed them to children. Yes, Father, for this is what you're pleased to do. I find it interesting that Jesus from the very outset, he's talking to the crowd. They're all sitting down together and he's teaching them and stuff like that. But I mean, I, I just find it very interesting to me that Jesus in just three verses, in just such a short amount of time, he had referenced the Father five, five times. In fact, I think Jesus was trying to point them back to the Father. Jesus was trying to convince them, hey, listen, what you need, the hope you need, the rest you need, it is in the work of the Father. He acknowledged the role of the Father with the crowd. They needed the Father. The rest for their soul was going to come through the work of the Father, and he was there to connect them to the Father. So many times in our lives, we start out our day through devotionals, you know, our devotion, we got our little devotionals, we got our, our scripture, we open it up, and we start so well, but man, when we get into our day, man, it's like we forget the Father. We forget him. And Jesus was trying, hey, look, you've got angst in your life. You've got some agony in your life. You've got some anxiety. You've got some fears. You've got some frustrations. You've got some addictions. You've got some things you're trying to battle. Look, you, you can't do it without the help of the Father. So let me just keep the Father front and center in front of you. Because the relationship you need, the rest you need is in the Father. You need to lean into the Father. And if I'm going to get one thing, one thing across to the crowd today, Jesus is, I'm, gonna, I'm certainly gonna work to connect them to the work of the Father. But that's what rest does. Rest should lead you to reflect on the work of the Father in your life. What is all of this for? Men, we're, we're very predisposed to this. We find our sense of purpose, right? In what we do, the work of our hands, our work, we find great fulfillment in it. But what happens when you don't like what you do? You come home, you, 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 maybe you're, you're miserable, you're frustrated. You know, like you can't, I mean, suddenly the boss that you used to love is, is, is mean now, he's a tyrant or whatever, but for some reason you've lost the meaning in what you do. The meaning that used to be there is no longer there. You've lost sight of it. So you understand that feeling at times, but the reality is in our life and even especially with our faith, if we don't take time to rest and to reflect on the work of the Father in our lives, we can somehow get disconnected because our faith begins to fade. Our faith can be fragile at times and it begins to be fractured. And so the work of reflecting on the Father in our lives is a very important rhythm that you need to adopt. Six days, worlds are created. God stopped on the seventh day and what did he do? He looked back at everything he'd done and he declared it to be good. He reflected on the work and you should do that too because when you are connected to the Father, he impresses meaning into your life, sense of purpose. You're here for a reason. Outer West is here for a reason. There's an assignment over this church. God has a purpose for this church. He has a purpose for the people of God and so we find that when we rest and we reflect on them. How are you doing over the Dorothy? You doing okay? The other day I was reflecting, sitting, just kind of feeling sorry for myself. It was a couple weeks ago and, and I was sipping coffee out of a family mug. It was, a, it was one of those mugs where you can put pictures, uh, you, know, like you're, you, you know, you're like, you know what I mean? Like the, I don't know, it's like cry cut stuff or whatever, but you got your family pictures on the coffee mug. And so I'm, so I'm, I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm sipping coffee out of that. And all of a sudden I look at the cup and I really begin to take in my, my family, the pictures of my family. Now it's an older one. So it only has my two boys on there and my wife and my girls give me a hard time about that because I need to get one that has, have them on it. So they think I love them, the boys more than I love them. That's not true. I love the girls way more than I, I'm, I'm kidding. We don't, we don't do that. No favorites in my home and they know it. I tell them that all the time. 
But, um, but I'm just drinking from this cup and all of a sudden I, I, I see my youngest son, Caleb, you know, the one that was throwing up the peace sign a little bit earlier. And, and, and I'm immediately transported back to a very tough journey that we began, my wife and I had to take early on in our marriage. See, uh, only three months after, after we got married, we conceived with Nathaniel, our eldest. And, and so it was like this textbook pregnancy. I mean, like to the day, everything happened just like it was supposed to happen. Very smooth delivery and everything was just perfect. And so, you know, we, we'd set out, we'd begun to do our family planning. Everything was, you know, a year later, we're like, okay, now it's time for us to have Caleb. And so and then we, we began, you know, to, to try and figure out all that. But a year went by with no pregnancies. And so we're like, that's weird. We begin to be concerned. The second year went by with two or three miscarriages. No viable pregnancies. The third year went by, another miscarriage and no viable pregnancies. And around this time, we're in, we're in with the doctors, we're in with the specialists. What's going on? We're trying the lab work and all that kind of stuff. And, and the specialist came back and said, you know, your, your eggs, Christy, your eggs are like those of, of a woman who's in maybe menopause. You know, and I was like, this just doesn't make sense because our first pregnancy was like textbook. You know, what was, what's going on here? And so there was some pain, there was some frustration and we set the, the church to praying and we began to pray earnestly. And you know, we're people of faith, but we began to wonder, hey God, you know, have you forgotten me? You know, God, where are you at in my circumstance? Where are you at in my, my situation? And we began to pray. And after prayer, uh, we finally, finally got, got result. We finally, you know, Caleb came into the world, but I remember that day. And so I'm looking at this mug and I remember reflecting on the day that he was born. You know, when he came into this world, man, I was a mess. I was crying and I was laughing all at the same time. Have you guys ever experienced that before? So much joy and so much excitement but that it led to even like just tears and weeping because I had been believing God for this miracle for so long and then there, there it was. But I found myself there a couple weeks ago, starting that moment, wallowing in self-pity. And just all I did was simply reflect on the work of God in my life, the work of the Father in my life. And immediately I realized, man, I've got so much to be thankful for. I've got so much to be grateful for. And some of you, I would encourage you to take up the discipline of journaling. Because in my life, when it comes to reflecting back on the work of the Father, I, I journal. And, you know, sometimes I don't see God in the middle of my circumstance. I don't. And I get frustrated and I wonder, where are you at, God? And uh, I don't ever really get the answer to that question. Uh, but then like a year later, I'll, I'll pick up a journal I, I had used the year before or a couple of years earlier or whatever, and I'll read through it and I'll be like, yeah, that was a tough one in the moment, but now I've overcome it and I've walked through it. And now I understand why I walked through that. And now I see the work of the Father in my life and I see the meaning behind it and the purpose behind it. And so I wanna challenge you and I wanna encourage you today, as it relates to rest, the importance of rest is for you to take time to reflect on the work of the Father in your life. He's working in your life. He cares about you. He loves you and he's got a plan for you. But um, it was the psalmist, I think, uh, actually the psalmist, Psalm 8, verse three, where he says, when I consider the work of your hands. Do you guys remember this verse? When I consider the work of your hands, your heavens, the work of your fingers, uh, all that stuff. He, I, I love, the psalmist got it right. He took the time to consider. He took the time to think. He took time to reflect on the work of the Father. It's really the same phrase that we get, that Selah. Selah means to pause, to reflect. I love that. In fact, 71 times in the book of Psalms, that word Selah is referenced. And it's really just an encouragement to you and to me to stop, to reflect, to think, to pause on the goodness of God in your life, the work of the Father.
So we wanna be sure that we do that. We rest to reflect. Dorothy, Dorothy's swimming. Hey, true story, I didn't wanna get into this, uh, but uh, the first fish I bought for you, Alan, died. It, it died, but I said, I can't, I can't do that. So I went, I went to the pet store and I got you a second one. So Dorothy too, hang in there with us, okay? We're gonna be good, at least to the end of the service. All right, all right. Second thing we're gonna do is we're gonna rest to release, rest to release. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me for I'm gentle, I'm humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. It was in June of this past year and I was excited to hear that you guys are going to Guatemala. I think that's awesome. Uh, that I was in Mexico. I found myself in Oaxaca, Mexico with some guys and we were doing some ministry up there. And uh, we came across uh, an old farm ground, old agricultural area where the farmer, this old crusty farmer, been doing it for years. You could tell he was out in the middle of his field, plowing the field. And he had these oxen who were yoked by this wooden, this wooden beam. And uh, I, I grabbed the translator and I said, hey, let's run out there. Let's go out there. I want to meet with this farmer. I want to talk to him. Um, and, and so we, we ran out to the farmer and I began to uh, just ask him questions about how he, you know, how he's doing as a farmer and how he how he's plows these fields and how he does it with these, these oxen and stuff. And the farmer looks at me and he says, hey, this, these oxen, these guys are young. These are young bucks. This is the first time I've really started strapping them up just this past week. In fact, he said they're, they're pulling, but you know, each of them are still trying to kind of do their own thing. They don't know how to pull together, but give them a couple more months and they'll start pulling together and they'll be a lot more productive. Right now, they're just kind of a pain in the neck. And I love that. I love that imagery because the reality is only when they as oxen working together, only when they relinquish their individual control, when they surrender their individual control, are they the most effective. And that is the same with us. And here's the reality. The Sabbath rest is a call for you to let go. The Sabbath rest is a call for you to surrender. It's a call for you to, you know, you think you're in control. You think you are in control but it's a call for you to let go of your control. In fact, the yoke was a very common idiom. It was a common expression back in the time. Uh, the, the yoke actually refers to, refers to a rabbi's way of reading the Torah, but it was also more, it was his set of teachings. It was his teachings on how to be a human. How many know being a human sometimes can be difficult. So having a set of teachings to guide us, we, we lean into God's word, but, but the teachings, the, the yoke was his way to shoulder the crippling weight of life to give people wisdom and direction on marriage, on divorce, on, on how to pray, on money and sex and conflict resolution and how to deal with the government and all of it. But it was his way of dealing with all of those things. So when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. He was inviting the crowd to let go, to surrender to the old way of living, the old way of striving. Essentially, learn from me. Attach your life to me. Let go of the things. Let go of the things that have been keeping you from working effectively with me. Some of you need to surrender to the authority of God's word in your life. I've been trying to go your own way. I mean, trying to live your life apart from scripture, apart from his word. But you're finding, you're finding that all the stuff that's coming into your life now is not giving you rest. It's working against your desire to grow in your faith. You gotta let go. You gotta release. You gotta release. I love that image from Pastor Allen earlier, open-handedness. That, that's the way I am with God. I try to hold everything with an open hand because too often, rather than not, it's very easy for us to... Uh, um, strive, 
strive for God instead thriving in God. Have you guys heard that before? Thriving can become striving very quickly if we're not careful, but you can't, you can't hold on to it all, so we let it go. It was back in March that my family moved from uh, the Holotus area over to Calabra um, because we just really looked forward to being near Calabra um, because it's a lot of fun. Um, it's an opportunity to go closer to the Father, isn't it? Lots of opportunities to, to reflect on the Lord in prayer. But uh, we moved to this area and, and we never do you realize how much stuff that you have I think sometimes we, we get all you know, down ourselves. Oh, I don't have this or I don't have that. But man, you just need to move. Because when you go to move and then you realize, man, I've got way more stuff than I ever need or ever want. In fact, I was throwing stuff away when we went to move that I would look at and I would just like literally have a conversation with it. It was an inanimate object, but I'm looking at it, I'm going, you promised to bring me joy three months ago, boom. And now you're in the trash. My kid wanted you so bad. Three months ago, couldn't deal without you. Now you're on the garage floor and nobody even cares about you. And I'm like, I'm like tossing all these things, right? And it was cathartic for me. And I was like, hey baby, I love that. Let's go do some more of that. Let's get rid of stuff. And so it became contagious. And we started to go through our closets and getting rid of clothes and Salvation Army and all this kind of stuff, all because, because it felt good to let go of stuff. I think that's what Jesus was getting across to the rich young ruler in the New Testament, right? And the rich and ruler was, hey, Jesus, I've done all this stuff. I got my storehouse and my grains, my barns are all full. He had a lot of wealth. Scripture tells us that. And he says, how am I doing? And Jesus looks at him and says, sell everything you have and go to the poor. Then you'll really get what I'm trying to get at here. But he went away sorrowful because he had great riches. But he says, beware that you don't throw away your soul in order to get uh, all the stuff that you've been getting. Your soul is worth more than that. And so the reality is, why do we rest? We rest to release the things that have a temptation to try and control our soul. We don't want anything to have anything, authority over our soul outside of the work of Jesus Christ. The third and final reason that we rest today is we rest to renew. We rest to renew. And so I'd like to take us uh, outside of our primary scripture to Exodus chapter 31, verse 17, just to remind us that, that this is a command. It was meant to be a sign between God and the Israelites, his chosen people forever. It says, for in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. I love that phrase, refreshed. I love it. It's similar to the word renew. And that word renew means to pick up again. It means to pick up again, like from the very first to pick up again. And let me tell you something today, that rest is an opportunity to renew your faith. It's an opportunity to pick up your faith. I wonder today, how many of you came in today and your faith is on the floor? Some of you came in today and your faith is just a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, fractured, to be honest. And you came in and you said, you're just hoping to hope that God will speak to you, that someone will minister to you, that someone will say something to you that will just encourage your faith. I've been there. I've been there. But your faith was on the floor and today I'm, I'm here to encourage you that your faith can be renewed. You can pick up your faith again. In fact, all the heroes in the Bible, we see where they have picked up their faith in a number of occasions throughout their life and their journey with the Lord. Consider Moses, right? Children of Israel leads them out after, okay, Lord, I'll do this thing for you. And he does, he leads them out of Israel and what happens? You know, then they're, they're face to face at the Red Sea and then they got the, the Pharaoh's army, you know, bearing down on them and the people are complaining, why in the world did you take us out of here? We, would, we could have stayed in Egypt and been safe. And what does he do? He stands up in front of them and he renews his faith right in front of them all. He challenges them to renew their faith. He says, stand fast and see the deliverance of our God. Stand fast. How many know he was renewing his faith in that moment? 
I love Joshua. Joshua, he was one of Moses' guys. He was real, you know, he was real strong. He was, he was real courageous according to what scriptures, or he was told to be courageous, right? But we know at a given time in his journey with the children of Israel, he was fed up with them because they kept going back to their old gods. They kept worshiping uh, their idols. And Joshua had a moment where he stands up and he renews his faith in front of the assembly. And he says, hey, look, you want to worship these other gods? You go ahead and do it. But as for me and my house, we're going to, you know this one, right? We're going to serve the Lord. He renewed his faith. Consider the apostle Peter. Jesus is looking at the apostle Peter when everybody was starting to say some, some things about Jesus. Well, Jesus is this and Jesus, he's a prophet, he's a teacher, whatever. And then he looks at Peter. Peter had been traveling with him, but it was very important to Jesus that he knew how Peter regarded him. And so Peter looks at him and he says, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. How many of you know he was renewing his faith? He's picking up his faith. Apostle Paul from a prison cell writes to his protege and he writes to him and he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He had every reason, right? Here I am in prison, I'm being persecuted, struck down, whatever. But in the middle of my circumstance and my situation, I choose to renew my faith and you can do the same. It was four years ago when I found myself in a really tight spot. Uh, uh, I was executive pastor at uh, Gateway at the time before I took this assignment to become a campus, campus pastor. And it was during that time when um, we, the church had experienced explosive growth and we were expanding out walls and, you know, quite literally, majorly under construction. And we had a number of moving parts and the church family was, was growing at a rapid rate. And we were still uh, just, a, just a tiny, you know, we were a small team just trying to keep it all together. And uh, I just remember the, the amazing amount of pressure that we felt as a, as a church staff. And so I wanna encourage you before I even move forward in this story to take care of your pastors. Love on your pastors, encourage them. They need it and they could use it. So every moment that you get, don't assume someone else is doing it. If the Lord lays them on your heart, let them know that you're praying for them. Find way, unique ways to encourage them as a church family. I found myself in a very weird situation because I started to uh, have like heart pain. Like what I would describe as like pain right here where my heart is like excruciating, like I thought I was having a heart attack and I was scared. And uh, so I went to the emergency room and I didn't tell my wife I was going because I didn't want to make her nervous, you know? How many of you know that was a mistake? I got in trouble for that one. So at the emergency, hook me up, doc. Get the, get the monitors on me, let's go. I'm having a heart attack, I need some help. So he hooks me up, he gets me all situated and then he looks at me, he says, man, you're fine. Your, your, your chart looks fine. You're, there's not a problem with you. He said, well, tell me a little bit more about what you got going on. And so I said, well, I'm having these heart things. I'm, but I, sometimes I feel like, you know, someone's choking me and I can't breathe. I, my, my mouth gets all dry and I feel like I'm, you know, I'm gonna throw up. And uh, he says, man, you got anxiety. You got, a, you got an acute situation here. You're under a lot of stress. You're under a lot of anxiety. I said, well, I've never dealt with anything like this. I'm a 44, 45 year old man. I've never dealt with anything this my whole life. And he says, well, 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 that's what's going on, man. And, and so from that moment, I, began, I, I tried, I wrestled with it. I wrestled with it. I was with my family at restaurants and I, I couldn't stay. I, I'd be sitting at the table. The waiter would bring the food. I'm just trying to share a meal with my family. And uh, all of a sudden it would come on me. 
where it would close in around my throat. The walls were closing in. I'd literally have to get up and walk out. And I found myself pacing outside because I I just needed the fresh air. But I'm literally like pacing like this. I went up to my in-law's house to visit with my in-laws. And my mother-in-law looked at my wife and she said, "Uh, it's like he's strung out on drugs. He can't sit still. Everywhere I went, I was tapping with my fingers. It was just tapping. It was was a horrible situation. I didn't know how, I couldn't control it. I couldn't control it. It would just come on me. And I was desperate because I, I'd gotten to the place where I couldn't even lead meetings anymore. I'm an executive pastor trying to lead, help, help lead a vision, lead a church forward. And I'm trying to meet with the team. And I go into a meeting with the team and I feel my throat's closing up and I feel my mouth is getting dry and I feel the walls pressing in on me. So I left the team meeting and one morning and I walk out into the auditorium, which is a little bit like this one. The doors were closed. It was dark in the space. Nobody was in there. But just a day before the... We'd worshiped in the presence of God and we'd lifted our arms in the air and declared, you know, Jesus to be the Lord of our lives and that he is able and we can trust in him. And and so I was just hoping that some of the residue of that faith would rub off on me just a little bit, you know. So I walked in that space and I began to cry out to the Lord and I made my way to a cross that was at the front of the church. And I I drew near to the cross and I put my hand on it. I began to cry out to God and I said, God, take this away from me. I don't know how to deal with this. There's no pill. There's no nothing that can really help me with this. I, I, I just need you to take this pressure from me. I feel like I've been holding on to too many things. And, and it was at that moment where I dropped to my knees in front of the cross and I began to cry out to the Lord. Real tears, real sobs, real heaving. I don't know if you guys have ever had an experience like this before, but I was broken. I needed, I needed the Lord's intervention. I needed his help in my life. And I began to cry out, it's good to be here. It's good to be here. It's good to be here. Words that I did not make up. Words, it, was just, it was just an overwhelming sense of joy in the presence of the Lord. Why? Because it was at the foot of the cross where I remembered my Savior died for me. It was at the foot of the cross where I remembered he was persecuted, beaten for me. He took all of the insults for me. And that if anyone cared for me, if anyone loved me, if anyone had a purpose for my life, if anyone to see that purpose come into fruition, it would be him. And so it was at that moment where I turned it all over to him. I released it all back to him. And I picked my faith back up in that moment. And I said, Lord, I will run with you, but only if you do it with me. I can't do this thing alone. I surrender to your yoke. I surrender to your teaching. I want to rest in you. The promise of rest. We live in a world of 10,000 disorders. And some of you feel like that today. And I want to encourage you with God's word. Because in a time of 10,000 orders, the Savior, disorders, the Savior entered into the world for you and for me. And you can find rest for your soul. Would you pray with me? Father, in Jesus' name, it's in Jesus' name that we pray. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. It's in Jesus' name that we have advance in our lives. So, Father, we come before you and we just say, Father, would you have your way and your people that are struggling, that are trying to deal with the pressures of life, help, help us to adopt your yoke, your, your rule of life, your teaching for our lives, because in it we will find rest for our souls. If you agree with that prayer, would you say,